Well, good morning, everyone. It's wonderful to be here and the privilege of speaking with you this morning. My name's Eloise. If you hadn't already met me, you'll see that I sound different. Uh, I'm from England. We've been here about five years now, and I've been a member of the, the church all that time. As you know, it's Mother's Day today, so today I'm talking about being a spiritual parent. And this week on Facebook, Carla, who sat over there, posted this lovely little image that we're going to show up right now about being a mum. So for all you long-suffering mums out there, today we celebrate you. Uh, Here's a picture of my mum. She lives in England. She was a single parent that raised me and my sisters. There are three of us. Um, And she raised us well, and she loved us sacrificially. And I know many of you have had good mums like me, and praise God for that. Some of you have had biological mums, adoptive mums, foster mums, spiritual mums. Some of them are sat here right today. Some of them are far away, like my mum. Some of them have passed, but we honour and celebrate all of them. Now, I'm really fortunate to have a good relationship with my mum. Uh, It's not quite the same with my father, sadly. Um, He left my mum when my my mum was in the hospital giving birth to my sisters, their twins. Um, he He never really wanted children, and so I've very rarely seen him, just a handful of times in my life. And so for for that reason, I actually find Father's Day quite difficult, but Mother's Day is easier for me, and I know that as much as this is a day of celebration for many of us, this can also be a difficult day for some of us. But one thing is sure, that whoever we are, we all have a Heavenly Father whose love is unending, unfailing, unconditional, and if you've never experienced that love, today you can receive it. So, of course, let's think about this idea of being a spiritual parent and being in a spiritual family. Of course, when God made us, he made us in his image and he placed us in families. And so God himself is a family. Have you ever realized that? He's Father, Son and Holy Spirit and we're made in his image. And therefore he created us to be in family. Now, the very first family in the Bible, you know, was Adam and Eve. And what did God say to the first family? He said, be fruitful and multiply, which was all about reproducing. Now, that we know that Adam and Eve kind of fell away from that, um, and every family that followed them screwed up on that. And that's when sin and dysfunction crept into the world, which is why today we have broken families and broken relationships. We're no longer living in perfect harmony with one another or with God in the way that he wanted us to. So you know that the father didn't want that situation to continue, and so he sent his son to pay the penalty for all of that sin and dysfunction and broken relationships. And he did that for each one of us, and we don't deserve it because he loves us. Now, when I was growing up, I didn't understand any of that. And it wasn't until I was 17 that I began to realize this. And at that age, I met a bunch of high school students and their parents who knew Jesus. And they welcomed me into their circle of friends, and they invited me into their families and into their homes. And for the first time in my life, 
I, had, I was witnessing what healthy, functional families look like. And that was a big deal for me, coming from a broken home. You know, that you sat around a table and talked to one another. That was a big deal. And um, they welcomed me and made me feel like I was part of their family. They listened to me. They asked me questions. They found out my story. And they loved me. And I was intrigued by this. Um, it was a little bit strange, but they welcomed me into their lives. And in a way, you could say they became like a spiritual family to me. And then after a few months of this, when I was 18, I decided that I wanted to have a relationship with God like they did. And so I asked the Lord to become my heavenly father. That was a big deal for me. I had grown up without a father, and now I knew that I had a heavenly father who loved me unconditionally. And that changed me. That ch- I began to not want to live my life my own way, but his way. And the amazing thing was, he didn't just change me and move into my life. One by one, he changed each member of my family. My sister became a Christian a few months after me. My mum became a Christian. My other sister became a Christian. My grandmother became a Christian until our whole household knew Jesus. And that's what God loves to do. He loves to restore families. And that's my story. And some of you might have a similar story or a very different story. But today, I want to urge you to be like those high school students and their parents. Be like what they did for me. I want to urge you to do for others. You know, start building a spiritual family and welcoming people who don't know Jesus yet into your homes and into your lives. Of course, the most perfect example of someone who built a spiritual family was Jesus. You know, he was divinely conceived, but he was born into a biological family. And he grew up being apprenticed into the family business. His adoptive father was Joseph. And Joseph, you know, was a carpenter builder. And I try and think of Jesus as a young boy. He's going to watch his dad. He's going to help his dad out in the workshop. He's going to imitate his dad until he gets to the stage where he's learned all the skills he needs to become an expert tradesman. And so that's what Jesus did right up until the age of 30. And then at that point, he leaves it all behind and gets baptised and starts on the mission that God has given him. And at that point, he starts to teach and he starts to heal people. Now, I try to imagine myself in Israel at that time. Uh, Can you imagine, it's not a very big country, but can you imagine that this guy is turning up in your village or in your town? He's walked to your town and news has spread. And he's the best teacher, he's the best communicator that this world has ever seen and he's in your town. And not only is he teaching the crowds, he's actually healing people. People who've been sick, they're, they're getting free and they're getting healed. I mean, miracles are happening when this guy turns up. What would you do? You would want to be there and see him. You would want to be there. And that's, that was his experience. People just flocked to him. He was surrounded by crowds. And it's really interesting because there came a time, and we can read about this in Luke 6, when he decided to get away from the crowds and actually go up a mountainside to pray. And he spent the whole night praying. And at the end of the night, he chose 12 disciples 
to be his family. These 12 men became his band of brothers. From that point on, for the next two and a half years of his life, they spent every day together. They were a group of men with Jesus, living like a family. They ate together, they lived in one another's homes, they went fishing, they went to parties, they went preaching and teaching people, they went healing people. They did it all together, day in, day out. And I thought to myself, why did Jesus do this? Why did he build a spiritual family? I mean, he's God of the universe. He doesn't need them to do the work. He really doesn't need them. So why does he build a family? I mean, there might be a thousand reasons. I don't know why God works and operates through family. But here are two reasons. I think he wants people to know the blessing of being in a spiritual family. Have you ever been in a family of people, not just your nuclear family, not just your biological family, but have you ever had brothers and sisters that have really got your back, that are there for you, that are with you, that cry with you, that rejoice with you? He wants you to know the blessing of that. And I think the second reason is he wants families to be fruitful and multiply. So how do we do this? How do we build a spiritual family? Well, I think it starts with people saying, I'm prepared to step up and be a spiritual parent to somebody else. Let's take a look at um, an example of a spiritual parent in the Bible. We're going to look at Paul, St. Paul, and we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 4. So if you've got a Bible, you can look that up, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And in this first letter to the Corinthians, Paul writes to them and he calls them his dear children. And he explicitly refers to himself as their father. Now, in that letter, if you've ever read 1 Corinthians, Paul uses really strong language because there's lots of sin and division and arguments that have sprung up between this bunch of Christians in Corinth. But here in chapter 4, he pauses to tell them why he's speaking so strongly. And it's because he sees himself as their spiritual father. So I'm going to read that passage to you now. I am writing this not to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. Even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. For this reason, I've sent you Timothy, my son, whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. So the reason why Paul writes to them in this strong way is not to shame them, but because he has a tremendous responsibility as a loving father. Look at verse 15. He says, though you have 10,000 guardians, in the, in the Greek, the word is pedagogues or instructors, you don't have many fathers, for in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. In other words, he was the one that led them to Christ. He became their spiritual father. Who led you to Christ? Who's your spiritual mum or dad? Did you have someone? 
He goes on to say, though they have, though these people have 10,000 instructors, they only have one spiritual father. You know, in our internet culture, we can watch all sorts of pedagogues and instructors. There are life gurus that will teach you to do whatever. There are thousands and thousands of Bible teachers that we can watch. But do we have a spiritual mum or dad who walks with us and disciples us? So that's what Paul's saying here. He's saying, this is who I am. And that's why I'm writing to you in this way, because I feel about you with such great intensity. You know, I feel the same way about my spiritual children. I had spiritual children before I was married and before I had biological children. And I want to show you a picture of some of my, my spiritual children. I want to start with Diane. You can see her there dressed in red. I went off to college at 18. I just made this decision to follow Jesus. And I knew that he'd sent me there. And I was a brand new baby Christian. And in God's grace, he gave me a friend called Andrea who lived next door to me. And we teamed up and we said, let's go and look for the people who Jesus wants them to know. And so we went out searching, we went out looking, and we made friends with Diane. And there she, there she was, this, this was 1989, years ago, but some of you are about to go off to college, this could be you. Who is God going to send you to? And Diane was not a believer, not at all, far from it, but we befriended her, we hung out with her, we shared our lives with her, we shared the ups and the lows, and we shared Jesus with her as part of that. And eventually, after three months, we led her to the Lord one weekend. Wonderful, wonderful weekend, November of 1989. And we discipled her, and she began to grow. And she just did the things that we did. She joined us. She imitated us. So she prayed with us. She went on mission with us. A few years later, she decided it was time for her to become a spiritual parent and to do the things that we'd done with her she was going to do with others. Now, Diane wasn't married, and so she teamed up with Sharon. You can see Sharon in the floral dress there. So they were two single women who decided to live in a shared household, and they decided to live like spiritual parents. So they started to make friends with people and welcome them into their home and cook for them and get to know their lives and reach out to them and love them. And they met a girl called Jane, Jane's on the end there. Diane was uh, training to be a social worker and so was Jane. They were on the same program at university. And so Jane would come over regularly for meals, just as I had done when I was a high school student. And all the things that I'd experienced and Diane had experienced, now Jane was experiencing. And after a few months, Jane came to know the Lord And they discipled Jane to become a radical lover of Jesus and a radical lover of people, particularly the poor and the vulnerable. And so after that, Jane decided to move to Denmark and all that she'd learned, she went to live on a housing project full of immigrants that were facing very challenging and poor circumstances. And she opened up her home and did exactly what had been done to her. Can you see how the kingdom of God works? How God's family spreads? It's through people like this that prepare to be mums and dads to their generation, welcome people into their homes, welcome people into their lives, share God's love with them. We can all be spiritual parents, whether you're married or not, 
whether you're young or old, all of us can. So let's go back to the scripture to see how spiritual parents function. In verse 15, it says, I became your father through the gospel. That's what we're talking about here. So spiritual parents reproduce. That means if you're a Christian, you're a living being. And all living beings have the ability to reproduce. Now, if you've never had the joy of doing that, start praying for it. Start asking the Lord. Start loving people. Start welcoming them. Start inviting them into your home. Start telling them about Jesus. Ask the Holy Spirit to empower you. Wouldn't it be amazing if our homes became maternity wards? Next thing spiritual parents do is that they sacrificially love their children. Mums and dads, you know this. How many times have you laid down your agendas for your kids so that they might flourish? At the beginning of the passage, we know that Paul is warning them, he's disciplining them, but he says, I'm not doing it to shame you, but because I love you as a father. In fact, in the second letter that he writes to the Corinthians, he says, I will very gladly spend everything I have for you. I'll even spend my life for you. So he says he'll lay down his life for his kids. Are we prepared to lay down our life for our kids? I think most of us who have children here would lay down our life for our children. Would we do it for other people's children too? The third thing a spiritual parent does is they warn and discipline their children so that they might change. Not in a way that destroys them, but in a loving way that challenges them. Now, if you really love your kids, you're not going to spoil them. You're not going to get away with doing things that you know are harmful to them or to others. So you have the obligation as a parent to say, that is wrong, this is why, let me help you put it right. Now, loving challenge is hard to do. We can do it with our own kids. It's hard to do with others. Most of us avoid it. But if we're spiritual leaders, if we're spiritual parents, it's a vital part of discipleship. And the last thing that Paul talks about spiritual parents in this passage is we need to set an example for children to imitate. Now in verse 16 it says, I urge you to imitate me. Have you ever said to someone that you're discipling, I urge you to imitate me? Almost seems arrogant, doesn't it? But actually this is what Paul is saying to this bunch of Corinthians. Now mums and dads, you know this, Your kids will do what you do, whether you like it or not, the good stuff and the bad stuff. If you pick your nose, your kids will pick their nose. If you pray, your children will pray. If you're focused on others, your kids will focus on others. If you're welcoming and hospitable, then your kids will be too. The same is true for the children that you're discipling, your spiritual children. Now, you know the toughest place to disciple is in your home because kids see what you're like. They see the good stuff and the bad stuff. They see what you're really like. They see what you're like when you're tired and irritable and they see what you're like when things are going well. And kids can't bear hypocrisy. They can't bear it. They want authenticity. But neither do they want to be protected from family difficulties 
and they don't like secrets. What they want is for their parents to be real and to be vulnerable with them. You know, discipleship isn't just teaching principles and taking people through a program. Discipleship is living principles out in front of others. Now, Paul and I chose to be vulnerable with our children. It was an intentional choice we've made as our kids have grown. We've got two daughters, Grace and Hannah. And we've tried to um, be an example for them. We've tried to be vulnerable. So one of the ways that we do this is we have software protection on all our electronic devices. And I remember one of our daughters said to us, Mum and Dad, why have we got all this software on on our devices? Is it because you don't trust us? And we went, no, it's not that we don't trust you. It's that we don't trust ourselves. And we want to protect ourselves from looking at images that are not good for us. You know, I've tried to be vulnerable with my kids. My kids know my weaknesses. One of my tendencies, it's a big tendency, is to worry. I worry a lot. And when I worry, I try the, what I try to do is I try to control my environment to try and get back some power. And one of the classic ways I try and control my environment is through household chores. So the more stressed I am, the more I want my house to be perfect. Because at least I can control that. And, you know, I've given my kids... And I know I get really, really het up. And then if they're not keeping things tidy and neat, then it makes me get more and more anxious. And it'll come out. And I've given my children permission to challenge me when I'm behaving like that. This is what kids want. You know, our family, we're not a perfect example. Paul and I are not perfect parents. But we're trying to be a living example to our kids and to our spiritual children. Now let's look at um, verse 17. Paul says, for this reason, because I want you to imitate me, I'm sending you Timothy. Now you think he would say, he's just said, I urge you to imitate me. Because I want you to imitate me, I'm sending you Timothy. You'd think he'd say... Because I want you to imitate me, I'm going to come and be with you. He doesn't say that. He says, because I want you to imitate me, I'm going to send my son. And that is the epitome of raising spiritual children. If you can send your child in your place because you know that they're going to represent Jesus, then you know you've raised a son or a daughter as best you can. You know, we have an example of this in our family. We started a community with the Booths. Andrew and Trish, Andrew leads worship here sometimes, so you guys know him. And we we live on the same street as them. And we started to welcome our friends and our neighbours into our home. And um, we were meeting on a Friday night with a meal, and friends were coming, and we were talking about our lives and sharing stories. And... We, I remember there was one Friday night when Andrew, Paul and me, the three of us, couldn't be there. And so it left Trish and our children. And normally what would happen is Andrew, Paul, me or Trish, after the meal with our friends, one of us would volunteer to spend about five, ten minutes talking to our friends, sharing a story about what God had done in our lives and perhaps asking them one or two questions um, to help them reflect and think about that. And we got to the Friday night, and it was about half an hour before our neighbours were coming, we suddenly realised, 
Who's going to lead it tonight if the three of us aren't there? And um, I remember going to my daughter Hannah and saying, Hannah, would you do it? And the thing was, I knew she could. Because I knew she'd, she'd imitated us all these years. She'd watched us welcome people into the home. She'd watched us be hospitable. She'd watched us talk to adults and kids. And she was used to it. And she'd also watched us talk about our lives and talk about what God was doing. And so I knew that she could do it. She said, fine. She didn't have hours of preparation. She didn't even plan it with us. She just had the meal. And she led a bunch of adults and kids in a discussion about the Lord. So for those of us who do have children, this setting an example starts with our biological children, but it also needs to move on to other children so that they can do the things we do and then we can send them out to do the same. So what about us? Where are we? Are we living as spiritual parents, sharing our faith and leading others to know Jesus, including our own biological children? Do we see ourselves as spiritual parents, not just to those who are within the church, but to those who are outside the church as well? If we work only with Christians in our disciple-making ministry, then the net gain to the kingdom is zero. Is this the example we want our children to imitate? Are we loving and laying down our lives for our children, even when it involves discipline and challenge? Thirdly, are we urging others to imitate us, not because we're perfect, but because we're trying to be a living example? Are we giving our biological and spiritual children an authentic example of what it is to follow Jesus? None of us are a perfect example, but are we prepared to be a living example? And lastly, are we reproducing ourselves to the point where we can send our children to do the stuff in our place. You know, there are 10,000 instructors out there. There are all kinds of people that are teaching our kids and influencing them, but there are not many fathers and mums. Are we prepared to be those spiritual parents? Just have a look at this list right now. You may never have even thought of yourself as someone who could be a spiritual parent to someone else. Or you may have been living this way for many, many years. Whoever you are, God has an encouragement for you this morning and a challenge. Are you prepared to listen to him and do what he says? Shall we pray together? Lord, I want to start by praying for our own children here and our teens here. And I thank you for each one of them because many of them are already living as spiritual mums and dads amongst their high school friends and middle school friends. Would you pour out your spirit on each one of them, Lord? You've called them to their schools. You've called them to their colleges. There are people already in those places that you've called them to reach out to and love. Would you equip them and send them, Lord, we pray. And we thank you because they're a great example to us as much as we're an example to them. 
Lord, I want to pray for our mums and dads here. Thank you for the children that you've given them. Fill them with your spirit, Lord. Give them wisdom to parent their biological children well. And give them courage to invite other children and other people into their homes. That this might spread. Lord, I want to pray for the grandparents here. We're so grateful that we have these loving grandparents in our lives. Thank you that they have such a foundational role to play in the lives of their children and their grandchildren. Fill them with your spirit, Lord. Send them out. All the wisdom and years of experience, use it and multiply it, we pray, through them. Thank you that you're with each one of us, Lord. Help us to lay down our lives for others, just as you laid down your life for us. And all God's people said, Amen. (laughs)